Human design is an amalgamation of several facets of spirituality. The I Ching, astrology, chakras, Kabbalah, all combine beautifully into one system. Mary Rose and Mary Letitia have been exploring their own designs for the last year. This podcast is an extension of that exploration. Come learn, laugh, and grow with us as we become Guided by Design. Well, fancy meeting you here. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. It's a beautiful fall day. The weather's just perfect. I don't even know what the temperature is, but it feels great. It's hoodie weather, which is my weather. Hoodie weather. I'm looking at my temperature right now. It says that it's 41 degrees in Billings right now. And Uh, one might think, ooh, that's chilly. But guess what? We've had a hot summer, y'all. It's been ridiculous. (laughs) And 41 degrees this morning, it still could get ridiculous today i'm just i'm also going to check to see what what the today's supposed to get up to 72 wouldn't be surprised if it actually hit 80 yeah probably it's hit 90 the last couple times it said 87 so yeah so what have you been doing this week well not much more than i usually do every week you know (laughs) reading, watching a lot of Law and Order Criminal Intent. I'm on a little, little bit of a kick with Law and Order Criminal Intent. I've been borrowing for an undisclosed amount of time the DVD box sets that my mother has. And so I, I it's just the show I can watch over and over again, even when I know what's going to happen in every single episode. That is how much I love it. Like Vincent D'Onofrio... Oh, he just He's so good in it. And I love I don't know what season you're on, but I love the first couple seasons where it's him might be a lot of seasons. It's him and her. And why can't I think of her name? Uh, Catherine Urbe. Urbe. So I've got I'm just finishing the box set of season two. So I've watched season one, then season two. Now, the one I'm missing is season three. So I feel like if I ever did get my hands on the box set of season three, it would be like a revelation because I don't remember. I I haven't repeatedly watched any of those, but I also have seasons four and five, maybe six, but that's when season four is when we've got Chris Noth, who used to be detective Mike Logan from the original on order with Lenny Briscoe rest, rest in peace, Lenny Briscoe and um, Annabella Sciorra. So she is like a beautiful, like she's beautiful. She becomes his partner and she speaks a lot of languages and there's a lot of great episodes. I was always, I was a little bummed when they took Annabella out of the mix um, because I thought she just did so well. I love that dynamic of the, the male female partners, especially where the males understand that the females have just as much to bring to the table if not more, because there's a lot of times that Vincent D'Onofrio's character will say something and then she'll say, no, a woman, <laughs> no, that's not the way a woman would think. I'm sorry. And, and I just, I love that. I love that dynamic. So yes, Vincent is, oh, I mean, 
it's difficult because as you go through and you get deeper and deeper, because they did go for a, for a long time. A long time, yeah. I definitely love early Vincent. I'm just going to say that. I'll leave it at that. I love early Vincent. I think he goes a little crazier as the seasons continue. And maybe that's just me, but. No, you're not wrong. And he, I mean, he comes by that honestly with his character because his mother is schizophrenic his brother's schizophrenic and so he's got he's got a lot of heaviness he starts things start getting a lot heavier mm-hmm. as things go on but yeah i just i've always loved him and I, I i of course watched some of the behind the scenes about the first season where they talked about how you know he's a big guy and how just how much physicality he brings to that role that he's always like getting down, sniffing. That's the other thing. He sniffs things the way that I would say. So, <laughs> so this is now becoming a Law and Order Criminal Intent fan podcast. <laughs> what are we talking? Well, we, maybe we should introduce my, ourselves. I'm Mary Letitia. And I'm Mary Rose. What are we talking about today, Mary Rose? So today's topic, we last left off with talking about the four strategies and with the best of intentions, we went into that thinking, oh, we will talk about these four strategies and then we will be, <laughs> we'll be quick about it, but we're never quick about anything. So today we really wanted to talk about simplifying strategy because we, you know, and even yesterday as we were discussing this, and yes, we did record yesterday, we are um, working on getting our backlog, you know, getting some, some episodes in the can as industry speak, getting some episodes in the can so that we can take some time off. But we had talked about the different strategies and how we can potentially try to make these a little bit more simple to understand and simple to implement. Yes, absolutely. So I feel like you're way more versed at this because I think you've been practicing, um, you know, living in your design for longer. So why don't we start out with you and kind of how you have simplified your strategy? I'm still working on it. So (laughs) let's just always be clear that. Can we just say that I think it is always a work in progress? Like, oh, yes. Any of us are ever masters. I just feel like you have a little more time under your belt than I do as far as at least the simplifying part of it. That's, I think that's fair. And I feel like I definitely don't, you know, that's why I would kind of wanted to be quick to say um, it is always an experiment because there is going to be times that the only way to know that you are doing something right or wrong, or in in the words of, you know, right and wrong is so difficult correctly for yourself is to do them and see what happens. That is what the experiment is. And I think the awareness that I have now is that I am a lot more at peace with the things around me when I am not initiating things. And there's a part of me that feels like, oh, I should be doing more to engage with the people around me. Like I can think of specific 
relationships that I have or have had with people that I guess because I've been working through this waiting to be invited and waiting for recognition piece, that if I don't feel that invitation or if I don't feel that recognition, it's like I've taken that and I've just set it aside. It's not to say I pushed it off the table completely, but I have made decisions around what I will and what I won't do. And, and none of them, and again, none of this is like set in stone. Nothing is ever just like, I'm never going to talk to that person again because they don't recognize me. But it is a lot of removing my energy from a situation or from a relationship and letting, letting things be, which is hard sometimes. Again, with the shoulds, you feel like you should be doing more. So it's hard to let things be. Um, case in point, you know, I have family members that I love. I love my family. But if I don't feel recognized or invited, they can send me. And especially like if, if I get a message, let's just say I get a text message. And this is the thing I've said this before, the I miss you and I miss you is not an invitation for me. I miss you is a statement that does not require me to respond. So I don't a lot of times I'll be, or I'll say you don't have to. It's up. This is your choice to miss me. It is your choice to not invite me or recognize me. And you know, I get some sometimes a text message and I say this text message is how a lot of us communicate because if you're not communicating via text or DM or phone call, I mean, this is the thing, you're just not communicating at all. But I have enough energy types in my household that I'm dealing with on a daily basis that take up all of my energy. If anyone wants a slice of my energy, they have to invite it. And it doesn't even have to be like I like saying, I recognize that you give great advice or I recognize you're a good time or I recognize something about you. It can be, I miss you. I want to see you. What, how can we make that happen? What, what does your schedule look like? Is there time that you can make for me? And if you ask me to make time for you, you will get the most quality amount of my time possible. Like I don't fuck around. I give value with my time y'all, <laughs> but that's the thing. If, if not, I have a lot of other things I can be doing like watching law and order criminal intent for three hours, um, reading about human design all day, uh, you know, taking my kids to and from their activities, all of these things, now that I realize I don't have to fill my time the same way, I have so much more time to give to the things that I'm passionate about, to learning. And that's really what a projector is supposed to be doing. If we're not being invited, it doesn't mean that we sit on our thumbs. It means we are supposed to be actively engaging with the things that make us happiest and make us playful and light us up. So that's from my projector standpoint. I love it. So what are, I mean, other than responding or not, I mean, being invited from people, do you feel like you have to have an invitation to environments as well? I was just wondering on the, 
I mean, is that part of the nose thing? That's a good question. And I will, and then that kind of leads me into, I was thinking, how do I simplify this for other people? Because of course I simplified it for myself, but say that you're a projector and you have a job, say that you're a projector and you have um, those things. I don't necessarily feel like I have to be invited by the environment. I mean, yes, if, if I go to an environment that feels off or smells or has something weird about it, then I'll definitely feel uncomfortable and I might say, I feel empowered to say, you know, I don't really like it here. Do you think we could go someplace else? I'm not really feeling this. Can we maybe find a different place? And being able to be flexible and not feeling like just because someone chose a place to go, that means mm -hmm. that we have to stay there. Um, but one of the things to simplify strategy that I also would say is really important for projectors is self-recognition and self-invitation, which can be hard because a lot of times we feel like we have to wait for outside um, simulation to invite us or recognize us. But a lot of what I've really come to find out is like if I waited for someone to tell me what they needed before I developed a workshop for human design, I would, I would never be invited to do that. So Sometimes it's getting in front of the right people to say, okay, so I've, I've come up with this idea. I, you know, obviously before I initiate this idea, maybe it's the, you know, collaborating. I've always been very collaborative and making sure that what I, you know, saying if someone says like, oh, that's, yeah, that's fabulous. I would do that. That becomes kind of, it's, it's almost like being able to put my information in front of someone, especially my, my generator, my wonderful open generator partner to say, you know, this is something that I'm working on. I just don't know if there's a need and it, and I need some guidance. I need, you know, being open to guidance myself is really important too, because that's what eventually leads to me feeling like I'm being invited to, to move forward with something. Um, so it's not, it's not always as literal as if I'm not being invited, I can't do something. No, I invite myself to do things all the time. I recognize my skills all the time. Hello, <clears throat> defined heart ego. Um, but if I'm trying to force them on other people without, you know, with no regard to their opinions, some, you know, especially if it's individual advice, that's where I have to say, do you want my advice? You know, that's, that's a simple way of asking for an invitation. Sometimes you have to ask for an invitation. Well, and that's what I was going to say about you presenting some of your ideas to me and other people within the gym. And, and sometimes that's really what you're doing is like, you're asking and then we invite like, yes, that's great. Or have you thought about this? You know, I think that that's, that's really interesting. Well, thank you so much for your perspective. Um, I just wondered about the environments just because of like my strategy of responding. And that's something that you always bring me back to. It's not just about the people. It's also about the place, the environment, the thing that you're doing. So interesting. So as a generator and, you know, we can talk about it within conversation and relationships, but also you know, from the generator standpoint, and also this applies because last time we were talking about this, manifesting generators are also 
a generator. So their strategy is waiting to respond or that really to respond. If we think about it as your strategy is to respond to things, maybe not waiting. We'll take the waiting out for, for this conversation. Your strategy is to respond to people and places and things and let your body tell you, yes, this is correct. No, this is not correct. And then, you know, determining how to proceed from there because yeah, there's going to be times that things are not correct, but you can't decide because the courthouse is not correct that you're not going to go get your license plates renewed for that day. So there's going to be situations in life where just part of our responsibility to ourselves and society is going to put us into situations where, yeah, energetically some days I don't have the energy to do something that must be done. That is the human condition. <laughs> and it's so let's, let's think about it from that perspective because you have a job where you are forced in many situations, especially driving a taxi at times, to be in the aura of people that you respond negatively to. So situations. Um, yeah, I, and, and I feel like when I first started working in this industry, I was also like responding to everything all the time, like without hesitation. So human design and putting that a little bit of that waiting to respond into play has helped because I've really learned that I am going to be in the aura of people that I respond to and places that I respond to negatively. Um, but the fact is, is that it's a very short amount of time. 99% mm -hmm. of the time. It's why this is one of the best customer job service jobs ever, because you're only dealing with your customer for literally up to about 20 minutes, maximum 99% of the time. Most of the time it's like eight minutes, eight to 10 minutes. You have to deal with a customer. So once I wrapped my brain around that, that really helped like knowing that even some of the negative energies and negative spaces that I have to be into, it's a very short amount of time. So that part's interesting. The phone basis when I'm behind the desk, that's a little bit different. <laughs> Although it is shorter spans of time again, shorter. I mean, do you remember how long sometimes you'd be on the phone with somebody at EBMS? Like uh -huh. <laughs> 16 holds in an hour freaking call trying to solve some issues. Um, but this is much shorter, but it's repetitive and I don't know if that has to do with me, but I really, really dislike repetitive stuff. So um, I don't like being told that, that has to do with your channel of extreme or your gate of extremes because. Because um, I hear people the first time most of the time, like I, yeah. I, it's one of those things that like I, I can hear an idea more than once most of the time, but I really hate repetitive other than that. Like I really just, because ideas develop and change as they are talked about. But when people just say the same things over and over again or call about the same shit over and over again. Especially if they're looking for a different answer. Oh. Yeah, that, that, well, that's what they're doing. And I think that's why it's irritating. Yeah. I, I completely understand that, especially, yeah, from working and see that for me, call center work was one invitation after another. 
one invitation after another, every phone call, you know, having to make outbound calls, you know, I can do it and I'm good at it, but inbound calls that are basically like one invitation after another. And you want to talk about what gets a major she bone going for a projector is like constantly feeling invited to solve problems or provide guidance, you know, and when someone would call and be like, Hey, I need, I need help picking something for my child's science fair project. Can you help? I mean, rarely did I ever feel like, gosh, not this again, because I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I can do. And you're asking me for my guidance and I'd love to give it to you. So there was definitely, you know, a little bit of, you can become addicted to it um, in a way. And that's where, when my job required me to do more administrative things than that, I mean, that's really where I wanted to keep doing is, is being on the phones. And so anything that would take me off the phones and, and it was kind of one of those things that I worked with the people that wanted to not have to be on the phone, like being on the phone, they didn't enjoy. And so, you know, that was for me, it was like my favorite part. So I could easily be like, oh yeah, do you want to do the manager stuff? Because I'd really rather do the stuff that is part of your job responsibilities that you don't like doing. Like, I, I feel like that was kind of where sometimes I could get myself into trouble was wanting to continue to do the work that was, I don't know, it's not that it didn't get the job done, but it was definitely like it would take away from the managerial stuff or the, the you know, looking, analyzing, being analytical. I didn't like being analytical. To be well, I think it's, it's the same exact concept of, of my situation where the more time I spend in the cabs, the less time I'm getting other shit done. Yeah. And it's all of those other little tasks that add up and add up and then don't don't add value to the business because they're not getting done. But you're right. If you're not in that same, not getting the same reward from doing those same things, how do you continue to do those same things? Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Um, from the standpoint of looking at strategies for the other types and simplifying those, um, I think that with, the manifester and simplifying the strategy of informing, I think that most manifestors actually get really good at this. If they're, and, it, and I feel like that's the thing is that they don't even have to be aware of their manifestorness to get good at seeing that if they, if they're in a position and, you know, I, I bring to mind our graphic designer friend, um, you know, when she was in a position where she was, being managed by someone else, you know, that was my, being kind of micromanaged. And I feel like this is the same for all manifestors being micromanaged is going to kill any desire that they have to do that. Th even if it's a job that they're passionate about, micromanagement will kill their creative spirit because they, that's just, they need to be given the ability to not just, initiate things, but also to inform without someone then trying to say, well, Ooh, you know, we don't have time for you to do that. Now you'll need to do this later. You know, having autonomy and having people in positions of leadership, if they're not the leaders themselves, they really do should probably be the leaders themselves. But if they're in a position where they're not the leader is to have someone that will 
allow them to say, this is what I'm going to be doing and not feel like that it's necessary to micromanage. And I, and it's hard to find that in corporate America because finding good managers is difficult. Let me tell you, because I have had some good managers, had great managers and I've had really shitty managers that for any type were more interested in, um, their own ego versus what was what was going to be good for the company or the employees themselves. Yeah, most of the time, I, I feel like most of the time, the people that get promoted to management, it's one of two things, either they're all ego driven, or they were just really good at their other jobs. So they promoted them to management, which means that they're not necessarily good managers. <laughs> That is, that is absolutely true. Like, I feel like that, especially because we worked for a company that, that did reward people for doing the job well by giving them management positions, but then um, didn't really support them in those management positions the way that they should have been supported to be successful. Mm-hmm. They just kind of assumed that, well, they know the job, so therefore they should be able to perform the job even and when... Managed- yeah, and manage people that perform the job. And not only that, too, I would say also like thinking that you can teach management skills through training. I feel like that is that is one of those fallacies that happens a lot in corporate America is that this belief that if you just get someone good training, get them into some courses on being a manager, that they're going to be, you know, I feel like most management courses I ever took were bullshit. Yeah. Like, I, I really feel like they weren't, they were more so, so that somebody could say that they did some training, but it was really like nonsense that you didn't take any actionable information from. Yep. I would agree at that because everything I learned about being a manager, I learned by making fucking terrible mistakes. <laughs> It's true. And they, and they're like, Oh, well, you know, if we, if you get into this training, then you won't make the mistakes. And it's like, no, that's not true. You, you, the mistakes are part of how you're going to learn what, what you shouldn't do and what you should do. And it's also how you learn from people. Like they can tell you one thing, like I felt like this about at the job I was at where they would do personality, you know, you do a personality test then it would tell you how you should talk and interact with people of that personality type. It's like, that's all just kind of, it's bullshit to some degree because I feel like human design will give you a better idea of how to interact with people than a, than a, 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 a personality test that is impacted by your answers. Like, that's why I believe the human design is probably more accurate because you don't get a choice. No, you don't. Yeah, you don't get to choose. It's, it is just, this is the way that it is. And then once you start digging into it, you're like, oh, yeah, that kind of is the way that it is. That is how I am. That is, that, that is the truth. Yeah. <laughs> so it becomes less of this. I feel like we, we manipulate our answers to suit the outcome that we want when we're taking a personality test. Agreed. Um, like I want my personality test to all say that I'm fun loving and like to have a good time and, you know, kind of reinforce my Sagittarianism. Um, but that, that also can sometimes chronically make me uh, 
almost like take out of account my serious side. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like that that's something is like, because I don't necessarily want to be perceived as like a serious person at times, I can manipulate my responses so that I get the outcome that I want. I mean, I still am like an Enneagram seven, so don't get me wrong. But, you know, there, there are a lot of things that I think that we do go into it with. We, we have a preconceived idea of what the outcome should be. So we answer those questions and we, we get the answer that doesn't surprise us. Most and that's of the time. human design does provide a level of surprise that you can't really, you might, it might be like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. But it's not going to be like you manipulated the, the answers to get the, the outcome that was least surprising. Yep. That's correct. So manifestors are here to inform. And if they're, to simplify that, if they're in positions, they need to be able to inform, right? Like in, in the positions that they're in and the jobs that they're in. And maybe that's not always with a manager. Maybe it's with a coworker. Mm -hmm. I don't know, uh, to try and, you know, uh, avoid that, uh, being told no (laughs) situation because with manifestors, it's literally informing to manifest, right? Putting it out in the world to create, to. Yep. And the people that are going to be affected by it, if it is a coworker, it's, you know, saying, you know, sometimes it can be like discussion of work responsibilities so that two people aren't doing the same thing and Mm -hmm. creating unnecessary rework. So a lot of times I feel like a manifester might find it annoying to inform or feel like they are annoying someone else to inform them. But it's, it's not an annoyance. And if somebody's making you feel like it's an annoyance, then they're probably conditioned to be annoyed when someone's telling, like Mary, if somebody, you know, tells Mary something <laughs> multiple times, yeah, multiple times, then she's going to be like, okay, stop telling me and start doing it. So it, it, it <laughs> can, but, but there are manifestors, and we'll talk about this when we talk about authority, that because of their um, because of their authority, they have to speak, and sometimes speak it a couple of times. So it's it's all of this still points to compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, being compassionate with each type and saying, you know, this is how if someone's strategy is to do this, it's definitely not to annoy us. And I feel like sometimes we can feel. Like, God, this person, it feels like what they're doing, they're doing specifically to annoy me. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, know. Think, I think that learning more about human design definitely does bring compassion to how we interact with people. Yeah. Um, even if we don't know their human designs, we start to see more about what they're doing and how they're reacting to the world. And it just brings more compassion. Because I can, I think, I feel like I could peg a few people like what they are based on how they're reacting to the world. And of course, everybody's conditioned, but I think that it does just bring all in all more compassion to how you interact with people. Because you realize that, you know, we're all kind of struggling with something, whether it's struggling, waiting for that recognition, struggling, wait, you know, needing to inform people and feeling like you're um, being micromanaged. You know, we're all kind of dealing with our authorities and our strategies in different ways. And so that compassion that we, that we're really kind of striving for is um, it's compassion for the other, but it's also compassion for ourselves and being able to say like, it may be 
it can be difficult sometimes to know these things about yourself and implement them and really try to live within your strategy and authority because it's not, if it were easy, if it were easy, there wouldn't be the need for so many people to have to learn a completely different way of being when they discover human design and really want to start diving into their, into their, their experiment. If it were easy, everyone would do it. I feel like that's the same way for everything. If it were easy, we'd all be doing it. Um, and so sometimes, yeah, that, that applies to me and my compassion for myself for that need for recognition and saying, you know, it doesn't make me a little attention seeking bitch to know that I need to, to be recognized or that I need to be invited. Um, it just makes me more aware that what I have, I love this because I've mentioned her before and I, I feel like I mentioned these things just so that Mary has something to go back and add to our show notes. Um, <laughs> but Sam Zagar, who I follow on Instagram, one of the things that she said is that, you know, basically a, a projector's currency is our attention. And, and that really has always stuck with me because the more that I'm like, you know, I have value. My attention has value. And if I don't believe that, then I will split it up. And that's where I feel like a lot of my, my working career is that I didn't believe that my intention had value because I didn't have letters behind my name. I didn't have some kind of degree. And I worked for people that felt that I needed to prove my, um, my intuition in quantifiable manners. And that's just not, that's not me. That's not how I, I am meant to operate in, in this human hellscape that is the, the human experience. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's, there's value in every inherent in every person. Mary's value and my value are different because we are absolutely different beings on every single level from genetics to energy to everything. So it's really, I think a lot about the simplifying strategy is really looking at it from the perspective of your strategy becomes a superpower to you. And that when you really start paying attention to how you respond, when you respond, what you're responding to, you'll start to see quality in those interactions where it maybe just felt like quantity before the same things with invitations or the people that you're informing to. And sometimes it means making tough decisions about, is this a place where if I can't inform and know that I am safe to do so, this may not be the correct place for me to be. And that can sometimes force people to make tough decisions like, changing jobs, changing partners, mm -hmm. being in a relationship where they don't feel that they're energetically abused by someone else. Um, and we haven't even talked about reflectors. We'll talk about them very quickly because their strategy is very simple. It's hard to simplify it further to say, you're waiting a lunar cycle. You're taking things in. You are, you know, living your life based on kind of a a, a transit calendar. So for reflectors, I definitely think it's a good idea to be aware of the fact that Jovian Archive has a just now calendar, just now chart. When you go to Jovian Archive, you can go up, I think it's under, I'll even go look, but you can basically run a little chart and you can see comparatively to your chart, 
what is being activated that complements the active gates in your tready? You can see, oh, I'm being activated in a way now that makes it a little bit more like a manifesting generator. Right now, I'm being activated in a way that makes me a little bit more like a projector. And you get to, from there, it's under free, it's under resources, the best now chart. Um, and I mean, it takes practice, it takes practice just like with anything else. And I feel like that's one of the things that, um, that reflectors kind of get that a lot of us don't is this fresh, you know, there's this freshness to always kind of being changeable and being like a mirror and that you reflect these things back to people and that, I don't know, it's very chameleon-esque to me where you kind of constantly get to change within personality and be able to see like, oh, I'm, I do have more energy right now because I'm, all of my activations are making more, me more into a manifesting generator. And you can actually know ahead of time when these things are going to happen. I don't really particularly do that because it's a lot of, a lot of information, but, um, you know, you can, man, you can use that and manipulate that to say, okay, I'm going to be heading into projector season, lots of rest, lots of learning, or maybe I'm going to be more feeling like right now we're in a manifesting generator period right this minute because of the um, 3420 channel is active because of a couple of the different nodes, I think all the way through into next year. So a lot of people will be feeling a different energy right now because of this being activated for everybody. Um, but yeah, reflectors get to feel that on a monthly cycle. There's, there's these 28 day cycles. So it's almost like, you know, cool. You get, you get superpowers all the time that a of lot of different varieties, of all different varieties. That's cool. Very cool. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about to wrap this up? You know, nah, I have talked a lot. I'm all talked out. We're all talked out. Well, it was good because it was supposed to be simplifying. And I hope that we did that for people because I think that strategy is one of the first things that I was able to really grasp when I started learning human design and to experiment with. And I love yeah. the fact that we are constantly moving and changing and growing within this. And it's never going to be a, we know it all. It's always going to be an experiment in life. And yeah, like absolutely. And, you know, we, we learn best and that's why we love seeing other people's charts. We love hearing from other people. So, you know, we, if you did ever want to reach out to us, you could certainly go ahead and um, email us at marysmentors at gmail.com. We haven't really gone in and done a lot of changes to anything in terms of our social media, but I think that email probably would be one of the best places to contact us if you have questions or if you maybe want to tell us about your experience. And, you know, even if you said like, hey, I feel invited to um, speak on this and I'd love to be a guest. You know, we, we've talked about having some guests on that might be interested in sharing their experience, sharing their perspective and, you know, helping our listeners because really that's what we are here to do. We're here to help our listeners. And also because we just enjoy the fuck out of having, um, conversations with each other all the time. So it just seemed 
why not let other people hear these amazing things that come out of us? I love it. Well, thank you so much for today. And um, if you have a chance, please rate, review, and subscribe. I hear that does wonders for podcasts. So yes, absolutely. We'd love to. We'd love to hear what you think, as long as it's complimentary. <laughs> as long as it's four stars. No, I'm just kidding. Five yeah, stars. Four or five. <laughs> one star. So help me God. Just kidding. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.